Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. We are in week 173 of Romans. Romans doesn't seem like that long of a book when you look at it in the context of the entire 66 books of scripture, but it is a very long book whenever you spend two and a half, almost three months on it, um, but it's worth it. It's one of my favorite books of the Bible. It's an incredible, um, it's an incredible, really honestly, roadmap for where we all are at, uh, and we are in Romans 15 today. Uh, last week, we talked about Romans 14, imagine that, 14 precedes 15, and in Romans 14, we see that Paul was essentially writing the Roman church to say, hey, you guys should be united. It doesn't matter if you are Jew or Gentile. It doesn't matter if you eat bacon or don't eat bacon. It doesn't matter if you want to drink wine or not drink wine. You need to be unified underneath the Lord Jesus Christ. And Romans 15, by the way, is a continuation of that unification, of being unified. In Romans, uh, this book was written as a letter to the Roman church. And when Paul wrote it, he didn't chapter and verse his letter. So really, what we're about to read in Romans 15, verse 1 through 13, is just a continuation of thought in what he's telling the Jews and the Gentiles, the Roman church, to do. Stay unified. We can see it kind of summed up in Romans 14, 19. Once again, what you read last week. Romans 14, 19 says this. So then, let us pursue with enthusiasm. I'm reading out of the Amplified Version. With enthusiasm, the things that make for peace and the building up of one another, things which lead to spiritual growth. Some other translations will say edification. Let us pursue with enthusiasm, with a smile on our face and a smile in our hearts, not just a smile on our face and begrudgingly inside. We want to pursue with enthusiasm things which make for peace amongst one another and build each other up. Now what we're going to do is we're going to look at Romans 15, verses 1 through 13. And I'm going to read this entire context, this entire passage for you, because I want you to understand it in context. And then we are going to break it down verse by verse. So once again, I'm reading in the Amplified Version, if you're following along. Um, If you did not bring a Bible or you can't find the Amplified Version in your digital Bible, it will be on the Sky Bible behind me. (laughs) Now, we who are strong in our convictions and faith ought to patiently put up with the weakness of those who are not strong. And we're gonna talk about what strong and not strong means in just a moment. And not just please ourselves. Let each one of us make it a practice to please his neighbor for his good, the neighbor's good, to build him up spiritually. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written in scripture, the reproaches or the insults of those who reproached you, the father, fell on me, the son. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instructions so that through endurance and encouragement of the scriptures, that's important, we might have hope and overflow with confidence in his promises. Now, may the God who gives endurance and who supplies encouragement grant that you be of the same mind with one another according to Christ. That's kind of his thesis statement here. So that with one accord, you may with one voice glorify and praise and honor the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse seven. Therefore, continue to accept and welcome one another, just as Christ has accepted and welcomed us to the glory of our great God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant and a minister of the circumcision or the Jews on behalf of God's truth to confirm and verify the promises made to the fathers. And for the Gentiles to glorify God for his mercy to them, since God had no covenant with them, as it is written and forever remains written. Therefore, I praise you among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. Again, it says, rejoice and celebrate, O Gentiles, along with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. Again, Isaiah says, there shall be a root of Jesse, he who arises to rule as king over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles hope. Verse 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing through experience of your faith that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will abound in hope and overflow with confidence in his promises. Now, Paul continues 
in this chapter, the rest of the chapter 15, he continues here to pray for the Roman church. And then he finishes uh, chapter 15, basically telling the Roman church, hey, this is where I plan to do my missionary journeys uh, for the rest of as long as I can. And so if you'd like to support me, that'd be awesome. So that's what he's saying there. If you wanna go and read that uh, so that you are caught up for next week, Romans 16, you should go ahead and do so. But today we're not going to, to read into that. The section we just read is really a roadmap for living a filling Christian life, a filling Christian life, a, a full-filling Christian life. I have a question, though, before we get started. Have you ever um, just been, like, extremely, extremely hungry, uh, and you have a plans to go to, like, this nice restaurant, expensive restaurant that serves, like, all these really nice courses, and you get there, and then all of a sudden, they put something in front of you, and it's, like, this big, you get like a steak and it's like a four ounce steak. It's like, I don't want a four ounce steak. I want a 16 ounce steak. What is your problem? Have you ever been in that situation? I know for me, uh, recently, um, I was at a, at a restaurant in town that I'm not going to mention, um, but me and my wife had finally got an opportunity to go out on a date, which is really difficult with three little children. So finally, we get to go out on a date. I'm starving. It's after a Saturday night service, and I'm just so hungry and cannot wait to stuff my face and also to spend time with my wife, um, but I can't wait to eat, right? And when I order what I want, it comes out in front of me, and it's, I, I imagine it's supposed to be in this massive bowl, and it was in this little hybrid plate bowl thing that looked like a hat that was turned upside down, and it like had this little bitty portion of food in it. And I ate it, because I'm gonna eat food, like it's in front of me, I'm gonna eat it. Those of you who are with me on the Greece trip, you know. Um, I'm gonna eat whatever's in front of me, but I wasn't happy about it. And the reason I wasn't happy about it is because when I went home, I was not filled. I was still left being hungry. I had all of these expectations about how I was going to be filled by this particular dinner. And then after I ate it, that did not meet my expectations and I was less full and very upset. My expectations hadn't been met. I imagine that many of us, many Christians, many believers, many churchgoers, not just in this church, but in the world in general, especially in the Western world, are living the Christian life in this way, not filled. We have these expectations of a life and life abundant. We have these expectations of blessings on blessings. We have these expectations of God's gonna work everything out for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. And we have all these expectations, but for some reason, it feels like there is something missing. It feels like there is, that this life sometimes is empty. I don't know about you, but I have definitely been there many times. And I've seen, I've pastored for a long time. It may not look like it, but I've been a pastor for almost 20 years. And I have seen so many people who are unfulfilled in their Christian life. Yeah, they believe in Jesus, but they're missing something. You see, we don't realize that the key to being filled in our Christian life is to be united with other believers to bring glory to God. Now, let me say, Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough to be saved. Jesus is enough to go to heaven. Jesus is enough to be made righteous, to be made right with God, to come into God's presence, as Steph said earlier. Jesus is enough for that. And he's enough to give life and life more abundant, but the life that he gives in abundance is meant to be lived in unity with other believers. Unity with the Father, unity with the Son, the Holy Spirit, and unity with one another. Jesus is way more, and Christianity is way more than just a ticket into heaven. It's way more than that. It's about, it's about being unified in the body of Christ, having his spirit inside of you. And this involves helping the body grow and helping the body and caring for them, living by the example of Christ set before us and truly loving others from a place of joy and of peace. And that's what Romans 15 is telling us. That's what Paul is telling us here. Hey, you guys are missing out on the life abundant because you are so divided. And I have a hunch that many of us live in this same space. We're gonna look back at Romans 15, one through 13 and go verse by verse and see how we can live a filled Christian life, 
a filled life in general. Verse one, now we who are strong in our convictions and faith ought to patiently put up with the weaknesses of those who are not strong and not just please ourselves. Let each one of us make it a practice to please his neighbor for his good to build him up spiritually. So number one, how do we live a filled life? We are filled by helping others grow. We are filled by helping others grow. Now, he says, if you consider yourself strong, if you consider yourself strong in comparison to your brother or sister in Christ or someone sitting across the room from you, then you are supposed to use that strength to help serve your brothers or sisters in Christ instead of using your strength to just please yourself and pat yourself on the back. So like if you and we'll get into this in just a second. If you consider yourself a strong believer, a strong quote unquote Christian, then don't just use that to look good in front of other people or pat yourself on the back and say, yeah, I read the Bible at least six hours a day and I pray the rest of the day, the 18 hours a day. And then I also help other people another 10 hours a day. And I'm just such a good Christian and God loves me so much because I'm such a good Christian. God, or Romans here, Paul is saying, don't, don't do that. Just because you're strong in your faith and you have strong convictions, it doesn't mean that we just pat ourselves on the back. We are given the strength to, in fact, help other people. Now, this is a sacrificial call because Paul says, be patient with other people's weaknesses. Being patient with others is tough work. Being patient with others when you yourself have already you know, ascended the hill is very difficult. And so it's a sacrificial call. In our couple of weeks in Greece, we got the opportunity to meet a lot of different people. And uh, we sat, our, sat around dinner tables talking to them about just culture, about life in general. At one particular evening, I was sitting next to uh, Pastor Steph and next to one of the girls who serves at Zoe Thessaloniki, the church that we went to go help. And just out of the blue, um, she asked us, what is the most difficult part about being a pastor or about the ministry. And I will tell you, I audibly laughed. I was like, <laughs> oh man, where can I start? And then it hit me. The most difficult part about being a pastor or about being a minister, being in ministry is people. <laughs> people are the most difficult part <laughs> of ministry, the most stress-filled part of ministry. But you know what? They're also the most rewarding. And so I told her that. I said, people are the hardest things to work with. People are, make life so difficult and not just ministry. They make life in general very, very difficult. But they also reward so much. Because when you pour out sacrificially and then finally someone gets it and they grow. Oh man, it's the greatest feeling to see someone come to Jesus in a way that you've been trying to get them to come to Jesus for so long. That is so rewarding. And so yes, it might be difficult and yes, it might be sacrificial. And yes, I might have to exercise patience with those who are weak, but Paul is undeniably clear here that the way for you to be filled, the way for you to be fulfilled in your Christian life is to serve and to help others. Because when you build up other people, you will in fact find yourself built up as well. Everyone in this room, everyone that serves Jesus has the ability to be stronger in one area or another than someone else. So you might've like checked out and be like, I'll, I'll come back on point two because I don't consider myself a very strong Christian. So, you know, he's just talking to the people that are strong. So I'm out. No, you're not. I'm talking to everybody because everybody here has some strength over another person. Some are stronger in their convictions of sin, what is right and wrong specifically, and Paul addressed this in Romans 14, and some are stronger in their gift of faith. If you are stronger in your conviction of sin, then you don't wanna harshly judge other believers, but you want to be patient with them in their weakness and build them up, this is the key, through scripture. Through scripture, not through your own opinions, not through your own convictions, but point to scripture and call them a higher in this Christian life lovingly. We've got to do everything as we point to scripture. We can't just say, well, I don't believe that and so you're wrong. 
Or God has convicted me of this, so he must have convicted you about it, so you better get it right. No, that's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to call people higher in love through the scripture. Now, maybe you're stronger in your faith. Maybe you, your faith in your belief in God, your belief that God can and will do what he says he's gonna do, that he is who he says he is. If you're strong that way, then you don't wanna judge people who have a hard time believing for miracles, who have a hard time believing for their own salvation, who have a hard time believing the promises of God. Once again, you wanna encourage them. You wanna build them up through scripture, through the word of God. You call them deeper in a loving way. You don't just use your faith for your own self. You use your faith to call people, to call other people into faith, into believing. I've said this many times, but my, I believe that my mom is a, is a great testament of this. My mom has had MS for over 20 years. And the last couple of years, she's been in and out of the hospital with different various infections. And instead of allowing herself to just be depressed and mopey, which she does get to that point sometimes, but she remembers her faith and she is strong in the faith. Instead of allowing herself to just be there and then not to help anyone around her, instead she plays worship music, she listens to sermons, she, she prays with her nurses and her doctors, and her nurses and her doctors can come in and their faith is built up simply because of my mom's faith to be healed and to be made whole. And this is going on 20 years of her being in a wheelchair, and yet she's still holding on to her faith. And that builds other people up. It's built me up. She doesn't just use it for herself. She uses it to help other people. And each one of us, again, is stronger in some areas than other people are. And so we should be helping one another. Now that's verse one. <laughs> I promise you this is like a boulder rolling down a hill. It will go much quicker as we get through. Verse two, though, tells us that we don't do this for ourselves to pat ourselves on the back, but we do this for the good of our neighbor. He's not saying that we should be people pleasers in this moment. He's saying that what we do, every sacrifice that we make should not be a sacrifice just to make us look good. It should be a sacrifice to build up our neighbor for the good of them. When you're a people pleaser all the time, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing something for the good of your neighbor. For instance, like my kids, right? Uh, this is the year of sweets, treats, candy, presents, all of that. Um, if I was a people pleaser, I would just let them have all of the candy, all of the time, and all of the junk food, all of the time. But would that be good for them? No, that would not be good for them if they did that all the time. And so this is the delineation that Paul is making here. He's saying, you've got to do this for the good of your neighbor, not to baby them and then give them a bunch of sugar sticks that aren't good for them, but to actually call them higher and call them deeper in the faith. Now, there is this, uh, this TV series that was pretty popular back in the 90s. And if you are a part of Gen X, then you probably watch this, especially if you are a female in Gen X, you probably watch this a lot. In fact, I know that Pastor Kim has all of the DVDs of every single episode of this particular TV series. And it has made a comeback um, now because apparently for Gen Z, everything is cool that was cool in the 90s. And so it's cool again now. And so as a young adults pastor, I have been exposed uh, even more so than I was when I was a younger kid to this TV series, and that TV series is Friends, okay? One of the biggest TV series of all time. And there's this particular episode, I don't remember many of the episodes, but this one particularly stuck out to me. There's a particular episode in which the friends make a bet that there is no, there is no unselfish good deed that you can do. That if you were to set out to do a good deed, then what would end up happening is that it would benefit you and so there technically isn't any selfless good deed. And they go around the entire 30 minutes of the show trying to do good deeds and then someone does something good for them or it benefits them in some way and you can see all of them getting frustrated about the fact that I just wanna help you, stop trying to help me. I just wanna help you and be unselfish so I can prove that I can actually have a good deed that is unselfish. And honestly, the friends group, the TV, was right. 
When you do good things for other people, when you build other people up, it builds you up. And yes, it can come from a heart of not being selfish. It can come from a heart of being selfless. But when you build other people up, it also builds you up. There is a sense of fulfillment that is within your soul. It's not just something of good about that you're gonna put it on Instagram and make yourself feel better and look good to everybody else. No, it's something that's in your soul that builds you up as you help other people. All too often though, People inside the church, inside the body of Christ, they find it easier to tear one another down because of their weaknesses instead of building each other up. This is a classic strategy of the devil against the church. And it's got to be resisted. The way that it is resisted is that we must live a filled life by helping others in the body grow. I want you to understand that a healthy body helps heal itself. A healthy body heals Itself. If you are fully healthy, if, if your body is fully healthy and you have some kind of illness or you have some kind of ailment, your body will do the work to heal itself. And that's the same way that the body of Christ should be. We've gotta be sacrificial in our love for one another, be unified and help one another. Now, how do we do this? We do this by following the example that Jesus set out for us. So we are filled by helping others grow. And number two, we are filled by living from the example of Jesus. This comes from verse three and four. We are filled by living from the example of Jesus. By the way, the only place that you can find the example of Jesus is the word of God. That's the only place. The only place that you can find the example of Jesus and how to live is through the scriptures. So just a side note, if you wanna live a filled Christian life, but you are not reading the word of God and you are not studying or meditating on his word, then you will completely be empty. You will be missing out on so much that God has for you because you don't know who he actually is. Verse three, for even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written in scripture, the reproaches or the insults of those who reproached you, the father fell on me, the son. For whatever was written in the earlier times was written for the instruction, for our instruction, so that through endurance and the encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope and overflow with confidence in his promises. If you feel worn out, if you feel tired, if you feel weary, the scriptures give you endurance and encouragement because it tells you and reminds you of who God is. It reminds you of who you are in Christ, it reminds you of his faithfulness. And we find the example of who Jesus is and how he lived in the scriptures as well. Jesus is the ultimate example of someone who did not please himself, but put others first. In fact, Paul wrote another letter to the Philippians in chapter two, verse five through 11, where he points this out. He says, you must have the same attitude that Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of the highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That at that name, the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is the perfect example. Jesus took abuse and suffered wrong for God's glory. He fulfilled what was written in God's word by being crucified, by being completely abused. And he is the example of how, how God vindicates us and how we simply turn the other cheek. That God will take care of the rest. We simply have to lay down our lives and be sacrificial in helping others. We have to be sacrificial in our, in our uh, building up of others and God will take care of the rest. I want you to know that there will be times in this life there will be times, maybe you've already been through them even in the body of Christ, in the church and outside the church, but in the church that you try to help others. You try to build them up. You try to be sacrificial for them for the sake of unity and then they reject you. 
They might even slander you. They might even slander the church. Should you stop? Should you stop trying to help those then? Should you stop trying to help people? Absolutely not. Do not lose hope. Keep working at living with peace or living at peace with others to continue to build them up because this is the example that Christ himself set before us. Think about it. One of Jesus's closest disciples denied him three times right before he went to the cross. He did it so, so um, intensely that he cussed out a little girl at a fireplace. It's like, I do not know that man. Don't tell me I know that man. I don't know him. And yet Jesus looked at him with compassion and he restored him. He restored Peter. One of his closest disciples betrayed Jesus. Judas betrayed Jesus and Jesus still went to the cross to die for Judas's sin of betraying Jesus. That's what it means to lay down your life sacrificially, even if you are being betrayed, even if you are, are not being thanked. I'm afraid that many believers, many Christians, they attempt to serve in church or they attempt to serve others for a moment and they get burned and then they become jaded. Well, I'm not gonna serve anymore. I'm not gonna help anybody anymore. I'm done with that. It's over for me. Or maybe they're on the other side and they're on the weaker side of faith and they are called higher. Someone is actually trying to serve them and they are called higher and they feel like they've been burned because someone's trying to get more out of them in a loving way. Regardless of what side of that you fall on, you can't write off the church, you can't write off God, you can't write off Jesus as a bunch of moral hypocrites. We are called to sacrificially help one another, even if we are burned. Even if it didn't work out the way that we thought it was going to work out. We are called to not lose hope and to keep going. We've got to keep, we've got to keep in mind that Christ is the example for every single one of us. We've got to be humble to give and humble to receive edification. Well, we think of ourselves way too much. Those people, maybe you've been one, I've been one before, who've been burned by helping other people or you've been burned by someone trying to help you the reason you feel burned is because you're thinking about how it made you feel. You're thinking about what it did to you. Instead of thinking that this is what God has called me to do as a believer and as a follower of him, we've got to get our eyes off of ourselves, our eyes off of this, what's going on here and keep our eyes towards heaven and keep our eyes on the example that Jesus has set before us, that no matter what, no matter how people treated him, he still laid down his life over and over and over again. Paul prays for the Romans in verse five and six. He continues this prayer, or he continues his exhortation in a prayer for them to be united in verse five and six. He says this, now may the God who gives endurance and who supplies encouragement grant you or grant that you be made of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. So that with one accord, you may with one voice glorify and praise and honor the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if we are gonna be filled, we have to be filled by helping one another grow. We've gotta be filled by the example of Jesus. And number three, we've gotta be filled by living in unity to glorify God. Paul puts these words in the form of a prayer to demonstrate that he recognizes that this is a work that the Holy Spirit can do alone. If you wanna be unified, you can't just do it off of your own power. Because again, people are difficult and people will burn you. And you do not have the power within you or the strength within you on your own to be able to continue to sacrifice. It is a work of the Holy Spirit that unifies the church. The goal in living a filled life is to be unified as one body for the glorification of God. Not again, to pat ourselves on the back and say, hey, we're awesome, but to glorify God amongst ourselves and in this world for unbelievers, people who don't believe in Jesus. Division does not, will not, and has not ever glorified God. Division in the church does not glorify God. And now I'm not talking about division just here in these four walls or these eight walls. Um, 
I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about division within the church in general, within the entire body of Christ, with the other churches that are in this community. Division in the body of Christ does not glorify God. Now, this doesn't mean that we can't differ on secondary doctrines, but it does mean that we should aim to always build one another up and keep the main thing the main thing. We should always work together in unity for the glorification of God. In fact, we have started our, or we started about three years ago, our young adults and college ministry based on this fact. It's actually called United to keep our minds centered on the fact that we are supposed to be united as a body of Christ. And it is not just a summit church ministry. It involves five churches in Indiana County. And guess what? All the churches don't believe the same. There are churches, there are ministries that are involved, ministers that are involved with with our united group that don't believe in women pastors and female pastors. They don't believe in some of the gifts of the spirit that, that we would. And yet, guess what? We can still work with them. We can still have service with them. We have a service every Tuesday night on campus. And we can still work to glorify God because we know that those secondary issues where they might be important to us, they don't really matter in the grand scheme of things. And what really matters in the grand scheme of things is, is we, are we preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are we glorifying God the way that we love one another and lay down our own preferences so that other people can know who Jesus is? That's what matters. In fact, in John 13, 35, Jesus himself said this. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. If you have love for one another. And in the high priestly prayer later on in John 15, uh, God or Jesus is praying to God and says that he would like for his followers to be united in the same way that God and him are united and that the world would know that God exists through this unification of believers. So this is not just something that I, I you know, drew the straw to preach on. No, Romans 15 talks about unity, so that's what we're gonna preach about. This is something that is foundational to Christian life. This is something that is foundational to the church as a whole and to the body of Christ. Because if we do not get this correct, then we are not showing love to one another and we are not showing the world that God exists. We are not showing the world that Jesus Christ really has changed us from being the way we used to be because instead we're the same as we always were, backbiting and gossiping and saying, oh, that person over there is is dumb and they don't believe the same way I do and they must be on the wrong path, but I'm the one who has it right. That's a terrible argument for Christianity. I don't wanna sign up for that. It is by our unification, by our glorification of God in our unity that people know that he exists. And so it is important for a filled Christian life. Number four, we've gotta be filled by loving one another through the peace and the joy of the Holy Spirit. Verse seven says this, and this is our biggest set of scripture. Verse seven through 12, therefore continue to accept and welcome one another, just as Christ has accepted and welcomed us to the glory of our great God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant and a minister to the circumcision of the Jews on behalf of God's truth to confirm and verify the promises made to the fathers and for the Gentiles to glorify God for his mercy to them since God had no covenant with them. As it is written and forever remains written, therefore I praise you among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name, Again, it says, rejoice and celebrate, O Gentiles, along with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. And again, Isaiah says, there shall be a root of Jesse, he who arises to rule as king over the Gentiles. In him shall the Gentiles hope. Gentiles, Gentiles, Gentiles. It's over and over and over again. The reason why Paul is making this statement and bringing all of these things up is because If you've made it through all 172 previous weeks of Romans, you understand that Paul is trying to write the book of Romans for the Roman church to realize that we are all in the same boat. 
We are all the same underneath the new covenant. That if you are a Jew or if you are a Gentile, you still have the same way to God. And if you are a Jew, you should not look down on the Gentiles. And if you are a Gentile, which by the way is all of us, unless you're Jewish, um, you should not hate the Jews. So he's making it a point to say, hey, it's all in the Old Testament. It's all in the Old Testament, which was the Bible at that point in time, that the Gentiles will praise God, that Jesus himself said, I will praise amongst the Gentiles. He's trying once again to say, do you not see that we are all unified? We are supposed to be glorifying God. We are supposed to be praising God with one voice, no matter where you come from, no matter what you have believed. If you believe in Jesus as the son of God, you are in the body and you are unified as one another. Instead of letting these issues about disputable things divide Christians, especially Jews and Gentiles in Romans, we should receive one another as Christ Jesus received us. In terms of pure grace, knowing yet bearing with your faults. And this is the key right here. We must accept one another the way that Jesus accepted you. Because when we accept other people the way that Jesus accepted us, it humbles us and reminds us of our very need for a savior. That we did not have it all together at one point either and probably still don't have it all together. It reminds us of where we sit. Think about it this way, right? And when we're talking about being stronger in our convictions and faith or being weaker in our convictions and faith, do you think that at any point in time, especially when you first came to know Jesus, do you think that you believed the same things about God that Jesus believes the same things about God? Do you think that you know as much about conviction of sin as Jesus believes and knows about conviction of sin? Do you think that you, have, that you are just as strong of faith as Jesus is? I'm gonna answer it for you. No, at no point do we know God as well and as intimately as Jesus did, yet he still came and died for each one of us and he still accepts and receives each one of us in our weakness, in our ignorance, in our folly. He still accepts us. He still receives us. Again, in terms of pure grace, knowing with and bearing our faults. So if we are going to follow the example of Jesus, we've got to accept others who are in the body of Christ, but maybe not as strong as we might think we are. Charles Spurgeon says it this way, Christ did not receive us because we were perfect, because he could see no fault in us or because he hoped to gain somewhat at our hands. Ah, no, but in loving condescension, covering our faults and seeking our good, he welcomed us to his heart. So in the same way and with the same purpose, let us receive one another. Guess what? Charles Spurgeon does not believe the same way that I believe completely. But I just use his quote in a sermon because it is good and it is full of truth and it points to the main thing. You see, typically when, when someone disagrees with us or is not living with as strong of a conviction or with as strong of faith, we kind of just write them off. Well, good luck to you. If you wanna believe that way, <laughs> hope you make it, buddy. Or, well, I'm not really sure. You know, we need to pray for them because I'm not really sure they're saved. Uh, I've, I saw them doing this and this and this, and you know, it just makes me wonder. Do they even know Jesus? I mean, you've probably heard these things. Hopefully you haven't said them. <laughs> Maybe you have. But this is kind of the way that we, we view it, right? I'm not really sure they're following Jesus because they are not as strong as I am. We cut them off from the body, so to speak. But we should, however, receive them the way that Jesus has received you. Because not one of us deserved what Jesus did for us. Not one of us deserves even now, no matter how many times you have been to church in the past month, no matter how many times you have prayed or helped other people, you do not, I do not deserve what Christ has done. And we've got to keep that on our minds 
so that we can accept other people in the body and even outside of the body the way that Christ has received us. Before we finish today, I wanna give you some very practical things that you can do to be unified in the body of Christ. To be, to be uh, patient with one another, you kind of have to know each other, right? You're not gonna be patient. I mean, you, know, you see it when you drive, right? You don't know the people you're driving next to and you are definitely not patient with them because you don't know them. Nothing can happen. Like, they're not, you're not gonna see them again, so you're not patient with them. But you will be, you have more tendency to be more patient with the people that you know well. And so for us to be, to be filled in this Christian life, we've gotta be fully engaged in the church. We've gotta be fully engaged in the body of Christ, creating real community where you really know me and where I really know you. And that does not happen by just coming and sitting here in the seats and then leaving and then coming back in a couple of weeks. It doesn't happen that way. And that's good, I'm so glad that you are here. And if it's your first time, then I am even more glad that you are here. But that's just the first step. So practically, how do we actually build this community? How do we build unity amongst believers? Number one is we've got to attend, we've got to attend, first of all, the weekends, which by the way, give yourselves a hand, you're doing that now, way to go. You're attending the weekend. Thank you, Vanessa, for giving yourself a hand. No one else did it, believe me, whatever. <laughs> Trying to encourage you. <laughs> You're attending the weekend. Good on you. Now is the next step. That's the easiest one. Just show up. The next step is to be a part of a small group. To actually get in community with a smaller group of people so that you really get to know them. You can also attend events like Serve Day and get to know people as you serve alongside of them. Show up to church maybe a little earlier instead of walking in after the first worship song. I see you. I'm up here every week, I know. But come in early, talk to people, have conversations, because that's how you get to know one another. Too many times I see, I've, I've seen, I've heard again, I've been a pastor for a long time, and every time that someone says, you know what, I just, you know, I've gotta leave the church, I just don't feel well connected. My first thought, I won't tell you my first thought. My second thought <laughs> is generally, well, what are you doing to be connected? What are you doing? Because if you're just showing up on a Sunday, then guess what? You're probably not gonna be very connected. You're not gonna be very well unified or cared for. Nobody is going to know you and you're gonna feel alone. That's why we are called to live even outside of these walls as a unified body of Christ. If you do not feel connected here at Summit Church, then I would ask you, are you a part of a group? Have you attended Growth Track? Do you serve within the church? And do you know anybody else in the church? And if you could check all of those boxes, I would say that you are lying to yourself and you actually are connected. <laughs> and that maybe you just perceived it wrong. <laughs> But I guarantee you that if you do those things, you will start to see more unity and you'll start to love people more and you will start to see love more. We've also got to serve. We can't just attend, but we've got to serve. We've got to serve inside and outside of the church. Just attending is great and just being a part of a group is great, but when we start to serve, our heart starts to grow a little bit more for the people that don't know Jesus or for the people who might not be as strong as we deem that we are, as we believe that we are. We've gotta serve inside and outside of the church. We've gotta meet each other outside of this building. We've gotta meet each other outside of even our small groups, outside of different events. And that will lead to patience with one another. That will lead to helping one another grow. That will lead to patiently restoring one another. All of these things are done with the glorification, are done for the glorification of God and must be done in unity and patience with one another. But they are made possible only by the Holy Spirit and his work in us individually and collectively. We've gotta ask the Holy Spirit to move in us, amongst us, and through us to accomplish this very thing. Because no amount of, of, of attitude of I'm gonna get it done, no amount of strength on our own self is going to get this done. We will leave burned out, it will not work. The Holy Spirit is the one who does the work. 
And Romans 13, or Romans 15, verse 13, actually proves this here. So Paul, in Romans 15, verse 13, he says this. He finishes his statement of unity with another prayer. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing through the experience of your faith that by the power of the Holy Spirit, not by the power of you, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will abound in hope and overflow with confidence in his promises. As God fills us with the blessings of his joy and his peace in believing we are equipped to live in this common bond of unity. It's his joy and his peace that allows us to be patient with one another. A joyful and a peaceful church is a church that is full of hope, full of confidence in the promises of God and is full of life. It is not a dying church. When you and I are filled, when you and I are filled as a Christian, as a believer, the church or the body of Christ is filled with unity, producing joy, peace, and hope. And what could that do in our community? If we were fully unified, again, not just as Summit Church, but as Summit and Saving Grace and Graystone and Grace and Word of Grace and the Church of Grace and all the graces <laughs> in Indiana County, what if, what if we were unified more than just on a weekend singing to Jesus, but what, are we, what if we were unified in our serving and our caring for one another? What kind of joy and peace and hope would that bring to our community? What kind of joy and peace and hope would it bring to our state, our nation, if the body of Christ in America would actually unify instead of tearing each other down on social media? instead of trying to call out someone for being a heretic all the time. Like, yes, there's times for that, but not always. Keep the main thing, the main thing. Stay in unity and you will, be li you will live a filled life. I have a few questions I want you to think about just for a moment. Are you living a life that is filled or are you missing out? Does joy, peace, and hope actually characterize your relationship with God and how you treat or perceive others? I'm gonna read those two questions again. Are you living a life that is filled or are you missing out? So do you feel empty? Are you a believer but you feel empty? Maybe you're not a believer and you feel empty. And then does joy, peace, and hope actually characterize your relationship with God and how you treat and perceive others? As you think on that, I'm gonna turn it over right now to our hosts in Blairsville, and they're gonna be with you for the rest of the time this morning. Thank you guys for joining us. You see, a Sunday morning faith that doesn't extend through your entire life, that doesn't extend through your entire week is not enough. It's not enough to be filled. I'm not telling you to do more. I'm telling you to love more. I'm telling you to believe more, to believe the word of God more. I'm not saying be better. I'm saying we've got to love better. We've got to care for one another better. And if we do that, we will see our lives completely changed and filled, and we will see the lives of people around us completely changed and completely filled by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's reflect right now as we pray. You can bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe you're in here today and you, when I said, are you, are you filled or are you empty? You answered maybe in, in your heart that you were empty because you don't know Jesus as your savior. You haven't confessed him as Lord of your life. Today can be your day to do that. Romans 10, nine tells us that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. If you confess with your mouth 
and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can start this life that is a fulfilling, love, hope, peace-filled life. If you've never done that and you wanna do that today, I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna call you up here. I'm simply gonna, we're all gonna say a prayer with you together. If that's you, you wanna make a decision for Jesus, will you raise your hand today so I can pray with you? Okay, I'm gonna ask this question for you. If, if I read those questions and asked if you were unfulfilled in your Christian life and you're believing, if that hit home to you, again, I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna call you up or anything. We're just gonna pray together. But I want you to start that step of just confessing that that is you. If that's you, will you raise your hand? That you've, thank you. Thank you, there's hands all over. You're not alone if you're raising your hand. Thank you. In the middle, on the left. I see you, thank you. On the right, in the balcony, thank you. Thank you, I just wanna pray for you. We're gonna pray together. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your kindness that leads us to repentance. God, I thank you that you are kind enough to lead us to this moment now and to show us what you're wanting to do inside of us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you and you alone do the work that we do not try to take your work from you and that you do the work of unifying us with one another. Help us to reflect on how we've needed you so much so that that can help us be humble before others and to serve others well. Unify this church with one another and with churches that are outside of this building. We thank you for who you are and all that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's what's gonna happen right now. We're gonna sing a song just of reflection of asking the Holy Spirit to move on us and to change our hearts. And so I'd ask that nobody leave in this moment, but just to take this time, you can stand, you can sit, but just reflect on what God is doing in your heart in this moment. And during this song, our prayer partners are gonna come to the front and they're gonna be ready to pray with you, whatever prayer need you might need. But let's reflect on what God is doing and what he wants to do. It's been so good to be with you this morning and to share the word of God with you. Thank you.